what me worry it's been a not so sweet 16 start to the regular season for the Astros. Some old AL West punching bag maybe got a little bit of redemption in Minute Maid Park. It ain't no fun when the rabbit got the gun, but unfortunately for the AL West, this isn't Judgment Day. It's more like Groundhog Day. It's episode 19 of Stone Cold Shows, and it starts right now. Welcome into Stone Cultures. I'm Brandon Strange, and the man in the middle is Charlie Palillo. He is Sports Map Houston senior content contributor. You can follow him on Twitter at Palillo and read his weekly column on SportsMap.com. Next to him is SportsMap.com editor and host of ESPN 97.5 and 92.5's Moneyline, Josh Jordan. Follow him on Twitter at Josh Jordan 975. Charlie, Josh, welcome in. Cheer up, Brandon. I don't think slow inhale, deep exhales are necessary at this point. And if the Rangers are getting redemption in April, their bar of ambition is set exceedingly low. You're not wrong about that, Charlie. And just for a second, I want to take a chance to welcome in our live audience here. People are still making their way in. We want to remind everybody we do this podcast every single Monday at 3 p.m. right here on YouTube. And if you'd prefer to do the audio version instead, just search Stone Cold Strohs on your favorite podcast provider, and we will be there. We appreciate it. If you would, throw us a follow, throw us a like, ring the bell. You'll get notifications every time we go live. And sorry for those listening on the audio version. I usually edit out the housekeeping notes, but because uh, this is my anniversary tonight, I will not have time to edit the audio version. So, uh, but shout out to that. <laughs> but but shout out to everyone listening uh, on Apple and Spotify, among others. You guys have been coming strong uh, listening to the audio platforms. So we do appreciate that audience. Want to give you a shout out. Don't want to just ignore you guys just for the YouTubers. But you should probably watch us live on YouTube. That's, I think, the best experience. Um, well, I talked about in the open, you know, it's Groundhog Day. Astros going nine and seven. It's just it tale as old as time. Uh, you know, it's been bandied about on the local media as how the Astros have started seven and nine in the last three seasons. This is their fourth straight seven and nine start, uh, which I guess means is on pace to either win a World Series, go to a World Series, or push to the uh, Game 7 of ALCS. Josh, I want to start with you because when we were doing prep for this, you said uh, you said this feels different. This 7-9 and nine feels different. I've heard that echoed on social media. Uh, I want you to tell me why, and then Charlie, same question. Uh, I mean, for me, the, the, the pitching is really not quite what we've been used to. Uh, I'm not as down on the starters as a lot of the other people I've heard in the media. I think it's just been a little bad luck. Luis Garcia, mostly, but the rest of the starters doing OK. The, the bullpen's hurting you. We didn't expect Ryan Presley and Stanek to be the guys in the bullpen that, you know, aren't coming through for us right now. But it's early in the season. I, I think velocity's a little bit down across the whole squad. I'll get into that a little bit later. But it just feels different. You know, you don't feel like if Altuve comes back, everything's going to get better because DeBond's been playing well. So you don't feel like that's automatically going to get things started for you. And then for me, the McCormick, man, I hope he's back soon. The new lineups came out for today. We're recording this on Monday. McCormick's still not in tonight's lineup. So more Jake Myers. That's where it's getting a little bit scary. And, and of course, Abreu, we'll get into to him a little bit. That hasn't quite been what we've been looking for, especially in the cleanup spot. I wonder if 
things maybe need to be shifted around a little bit. Well, coming off 106 regular season wins and then basically rolling through the playoffs, 11 and two and winning the world series shy of a Tampa Bay Rays type start to this regular season, the standards for the Astros internally, but certainly among fans and some observers so high that you can almost not help, but fail to live up to expectations that you're supposed to just relentlessly kick ass, take names from opening day through the last game played late October or early November. Uh, it said, if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. So all in all, I guess, hope the Astros aren't much as historians go. Seven and nine, seven and nine, seven and nine. And now this year, seven and nine. I will reference those brokerage ads, the tiny, tiny print at the bottom or a voice that says past performance is no guarantee of future results. So it's not like it's the plan. Hey, seven and nine. We got them right where we want them. Uh, the Astros have looked like an eminently mediocre team to this point, uh, a hair below. There have been leaks in the lineup. There have been leaks in the starting rotation and the bullpen. Uh, the defense, which has also been a consistent staple of excellence. Back-to-back -back games with two errors. They won the game Saturday over the Rangers with two, but sloppy. Two more errors on Sunday. Seven unearned runs given up in one game. That's not tough to pull off, uh, but the Astros did. Uh, numerous base running mistakes. Just within the last week, Alex Bregman, David Hensley, Mauricio Dubon, all with bonehead plays, giving away outs on the bases. Uh, so I'll, I'll stick to my uh, trope from, from weeks past. If you have a seven and nine stretch in mid-June, it's a bit of a funk. It's not going well, but it's a slice of the season, right? We're still in the first inning of the season. Uh, one ninth of the season has not yet been completed. But when you're seven and nine out of the shoot, it's all anyone has to evaluate or stew over. Uh, it seems much worse than it is. They're two and a half games out of first place. The Rangers are legitimately improved, but Anyone think they're going to win 96 games? And boy, it's going to be tough for the Astros to hang in contention. Uh, the Mariners have won four in a row. Well, they just got to play the Rockies over the weekend. They're at 500. So the Astros are one game behind them. Uh, they're a half game behind the Angels, and the A's are just a, a laughing stock. So, you know, it hasn't been all you-know-what and giggles uh, for the Astros, the, the balance of the season to this point. But there's a lot of time for laughing to be had. Well, redemption in April is hollow, like you said. Uh, you don't also win World Series in April. You also mentioned Seattle Mariners, who were thought to be one of the uh, contenders within the division, scuffling out of the gate at eight and eight. But it's probably how I think, you know, one of the things for the Astros, it's how you got here. Uh, Charlie, you mentioned it. Defense has always been a stable of the Astros. It's why they've kept around guys like Mauricio Dubon and played guy like Jake Myers and have uh, faded a guy like Maldi's bat in because they believe heavily in defense. But uh, Jose Abreu has been kind of an interesting um, contrast to that style because the Astros are also reportedly very averse to long contracts that take guys into their later years. And yet they signed, you know, Jose Abreu on the back end of his career. And he's not a guy who's traditionally been a good defender. And so we're seeing that play out. I don't think he's as bad of a defender as what we're seeing early, which is why I hold out hope. I still think the, you know, what little offense of output he's given you, which has mostly just been singles. You weren't even getting that from Yuli Gurriel at the beginning of the season last year. But the difference is you also weren't giving out maybe as much giving back as much on the base path and in errors. 
uh, which culminated, you know, gigantically and Sunday nights uh, blowout. But uh, Charlie, is this, are you with a brave specifically? Are you, do you think this is a sign of things to come or do you think it's just way too early for uh, the Astros to give up on a Brayu and maybe even make a move in the lineup? Uh, way too early to give up on him, uh, dropping him in the lineup. That can be warranted sooner than later. It's not as if you're benching the guy. Uh, I'm sure Dusty would say, well, I'm trying to split my left-handed hitters in Jordan and Kyle Tucker. Okay, there's some argument for that. But, you know, uh, Abreu comes up and makes an out. It makes it easier for opposing teams to work around Kyle Tucker and then get to the softer bottom four spots in the Astros lineup. Um, you know, maybe this is a, a little bit of a are you more glass half full or half empty by your nature. Uh, there is the reality that Abreu is 36 years old. Father time can suddenly reel you in as he did Yuli Gurriel last year. So is there the possibility that the Astros sign Abreu three years at 36 years old when they won't go Tucker eight years, which would have that up when he's still only 34 years old? At least to this point, they haven't been willing to go there. Uh, that, uh-oh, you got Abreu just in time for him tumble down that hill. He's fallen and won't get up. Yeah, that, that's an absolute possibility. Uh, but I would say, and some of which I, I noted in, uh, in the sports map column uh, last week, which has only gotten worse for Abreu since, uh, he woke up May 16th of last season, May 16th of last season, batting 197 uh, with an OPS right about 600 and went on to finish hitting 307, have a real solid year. I think the biggest concern at this point, apart from the calamitous, uh-oh, $58.5 million shot to hell, and what are you going to do at first base going forward? Uh, the ongoing power drought. Maybe his days as a substantial power hitter are gone. You know, I know it was a fun rush to judgment. He's going to hit pop flies that land in the Crawford boxes. Well, if you can never get around on fastballs anymore to pull them, it's going to be hard to find those Crawford boxes. From last season's last 55 games of his regular season through the first 16 games as an Astro, 71 games, check my math, one home run for Jose Abreu. One homer the last 55 games of last season, zip through the first 16. Hey, maybe he hits a jag, chugs from the fountain of youth. But that's nearly a half season worth of baseball with one home run. The offset on that last year was, well, he hit 300. He was drawing walks. So far this season, call spade a spade. He stunk across the board. The batting average is now down to about 250. He's drawn three walks with 60-plus official at-bats. And the defense, I forget which word you used, Brandon, but I was thinking, ah, oh, it's your anniversary. You're feeling charitable. I mean, you know, Yuli a couple of years ago won a gold glove. Abreu too often so far looks like he's wearing a gold glove out there. So maybe he's pressing a little bit, you know, even with all he accomplished through his tenure with the White Sox, joining the World Series champs and replacing a popular, popular Yuli Gurriel. Or maybe it's just as simple as a slow start is a slow start. He had a really slow start over a longer stretch last season, wound up having a good season. But when you're 36 years old, the idea that it doesn't bear watching would be foolhardy. Yeah, and the eye test too, right, guys? I mean, you're seeing at bats with the Brayu or his three pitches, and he's he's heading back to the dugout. And when the eye test shows you too, you don't see him squaring up the ball a lot and hitting it hard. You don't you don't feel like he's hitting in a lot of tough outs. Where on the flip side, I feel like Luis Garcia struggles 
the, the guys he gets out are getting to the warning track with, with power, where with Abreu, he's lucky to poke it through the infield. And, you know, I pulled up some of his stats too. His OPS, 550, that's the worst on the team out of all your everyday starters. The other big one with Abreu too is if you're not going to get the power, you hope he puts the ball in play. Well, he has the second most strikeouts. He's just one behind Pena with 18. So he's also striking out a lot to go along with not generating much power. So that's the concern and where he is in the lineup. It seems like every time you need something to happen, it's him or, or Jake Myers or somebody like that coming up and, and they can't, they can't pull it off. The other thing I'd point to, we mentioned Kyle Tucker earlier with his walks. He has 14. He leads the team kind of showing you that not a lot of protection for Kyle Tucker. If I was a pitcher, I wouldn't be pitching to him. I'd be pitching around him also. One more uh, follow-up amplification on Abreu's struggles. Uh, he's just late a lot. And you get older, you lose the reflexes. Maybe you just don't have the the bat speed, the whip-like motion, getting the bat through the zone and so forth. And, you know, the advanced breakdowns of his second half last season where the batting average maintained, but the, the power, power fell off, that he had a big problem handling quality heat, which we'll define as 95 miles per hour plus. Well, if you're a year older and you're cognizant of the fact that Ooh, I need to uh, I need to cheat a little. You know, I need to start that swing or be guessing a little bit on the fastball if I'm going to get around on it. Well, that makes you more vulnerable to the breaking ball. And you know, he he had one at bat in the Rangers series where the first two pitchers were sliders down and away, like two feet out of the zone, and that he's flailing at them like, what were you thinking? You know, Chad McCormick's the one who's supposed to have the vision problems right now. <laughs> um, so you know, it's it's been an awful start, but one tenth of the season. Maybe this goes on to be a real bad signing. If so, all right, no one's perfect in the decision-making game. At least it's not an 11-year, $320 million mistake or, or something like that. But in terms of the quality of the, the depth and the heart of the Astros lineup, if Abreu doesn't at least become decent, they're probably going to have to be in the market uh, for a bat unless, because my presumption is Altuve is going to be good when he gets back, uh, you know, unless Michael Brantley, at 36 years old himself, whenever indeed he gets back, uh, adds quality on base percentage along with Altuve to really jumpstart that lineup. And then if you have Bregman, who, I, by the way, also needs to get going. Uh, but, you know, if you're five really strong and then you tail off after that, okay. But the Astros are not five really strong anymore. Now, and into Brantley, you know, you, him coming back, he, he's not a power guy either. We've seen his power steadily decline over the years as well. And so, you know, I, I'd say, you know, Alex Bregman looked lost at the plate early last season. Uh, it looked like he had lost all of his power. Uh, he's not much. He doesn't. The results aren't there this season, but he doesn't look lost at the plate. He's got power. Uh, he's just had some unfortunate at bats. Uh, I will say it's not all doom and gloom. I know that's where we default to when you're under 500. Uh, Hunter Brown. I just I have to bring him up just because three three games again small sample size so we cannot overreact to but and but man three games a one dot nine three ERA seventeen Ks over eighteen and two thirds innings look you know we we're gonna I'm sure talk about Luis Garcia who has not you know, had a really good start to this season. It's been a pretty bumpy start for a lot of the starters outside of uh, Jose Arquiti and Hunter Brown, but you couldn't have expected this out of Brown, at least not this, not this good out of the gate. Um, what have you seen out of Char uh, Hunter Brown, Charlie, that really has made him 
look so dominant this early. I uh, just want to throw in, as a fan, I guess it's actually, unless it's making you physically ill, it's fun to panic when things go <laughs> down the wrong path a little bit. You know, if, if that's just the opposite of euphoria when it's going well, there should be no doom and gloom. I mean, concern, disappointment, frustration, agitation. Okay. But doom and gloom, there's seven and nine, right? Chill pills for everybody. Uh, Hunter Brown, when his command is on, I mean, he's going to be a really good major league starter. The stuff is plus. Uh, Josh referenced, and, and I wonder if the radar gun's just off a little bit this year. If everyone's down a mile, a mile and a half per hour. But Hunter Brown touched 98 in the start over the weekend. Uh, again, it's still very early, and we're talking two starts among four max for any major league starters at this point. But Hunter Brown, the first guy in the big leagues to post consecutive outings, going at least seven innings, giving up zero earned runs in, in either of them. And Hunter Brown, this plays at Minute Maid Park or any other park. 39 major league innings he's pitched now regular season. Uh, the 20 and a third last year, 18 and two-thirds, the three starts this year. Hunter Brown still has not given up a home run in the major leagues. Right? And the I way to avoid would. big innings, don't walk guys, don't give free passes to help set up big innings, and you keep the ball in the ballpark. Right? It's tough for lineups to string together four or five hits in an inning on a regular basis. So uh, Hunter Brown, you know, and, and maybe he'll never be a premium command-type guy. Uh, if he becomes that, along with just the raw talent arsenal, well, then he's going to be a number one or two starter. Uh, but if he's a really good three or four back of Fromber, and once you expect Javier to settle in, uh, I doubt Luis Garcia is suddenly uh, washed up. And, oh, by the way, the Astros control Hunter Brown to like 2075. Is that all? <laughs> yeah, he'll be around for a while. Charlie referenced the the velocity being down a little bit. I found this on fan side. It went up yesterday, I believe. So Javier's four-seamer down from 93.8 to 92.6. Urquidy's down from 93.5 to 92.7. And even Hunter Brown, he's, he's not down a full mile per hour, per hour, but it's low 96 instead of high 96. And, of course, this was yesterday. Um, so that should include his most recent start. So everybody down a little bit. The one that concerns me the most is Ryan Presley's four-seamer is down from 94.5 to 93.6, which they noted is the lowest of his career and we've seen how much Presley is struggling. So that's something to keep an eye on. Is it WBC? Is it just early in the year? Is it fatigue from the long playoff runs over the last couple of years? Who knows? But uh, hopefully it's something that, that gets better. I mean, we're sitting here and Presley has zero saves on the season and the worst ERA on the team. It's even higher than Garcia's. So I, I'm a little more concerned there with the bullpen than I am with the starters at this point. Josh, do you happen to know the the data you cited there? Were they comparing – velocity this point in the season to this point last season or the full season data i just because think they're overall season, yeah i think they're overall data, average yeah you may have alluded to the answer right we're still at a stretch in the season where some guys are up to their full load and we've seen a couple complete games pitched uh others are still building some arm strength and if you had the hiccup in the preparation process with the the wbc or you just shut down for a week for whatever reason um, so that's another one for the it bears watching column, right? If everyone's on and you're thinking, ah, one mile per hour, that shouldn't make much difference. Well, it's not going to be a helpful difference. So any difference that's a negative, uh, you'd prefer it to be on the positive side of the ledger. Well, as we are kind of offsetting, I talk about the good and the bad. So we talked about, uh, you know, Hunter Brown, how the good he looks, the exact opposite of that is how Luis Garcia has started off this season. He's 0-2 with an ERA that's approaching 8, and that is not what you were hoping to get out of Luis Garcia. We had hoped 
that maybe this would be a season in which he took a step up because they would need him more and maybe he could, you know, ascend into a really solid number three role, uh, if not a number four. Um, at this point, you can't fade uh, even a number five starter that's carrying an AERA. I don't think that's what he's going to do all season. Uh, outside of Velo, he just really looks uncomfortable on the mound. I don't know. Like Luis Garcia is a guy who I really can't figure out. Every time I think he's going to take this big step forward, he seems to regress a little bit. And then every time I'm ready to give up on him, Dusty taps him. He goes into in, in the postseason and throws five scoreless in one of the most important games of his career. I, I don't have an answer for who Luis Garcia is yet, Charlie. What, what do you see him as? What, what do you see his trajectory? Because it's really hard to project at this point. My guess is, you know, number four starter in, in a good rotation. Right? His ERA was in the high threes last year, and he's still a young enough guy that he could find another year into which he kicks it and gets going. Um, his stuff is good, but it's not great. You know, he doesn't have a, a classic put-away pitch. Um, you know, his command isn't bad, but it's not sharp. Uh, start in, start out, which is why he has occasional problems with the, the home run ball. Um, just three starts. The Astros will not face Alex Manoa in this Toronto series. They're young stud third for the Cy Young award last year, an ERA of 2.24. His ERA is like 693 through three starts. Uh, Jose Barrios, who was real good with the twins a couple of years ago, the Blue Jays acquired him and then gave him an eight year, $131 million extension. He's a mess. His ERA is, is over seven. Uh, so, you know, one bad start can warp an ERA just as one really good one can, can pull it down. Um, I'm going to rule out any struggle with the, oh, you can't do the cha-cha windup anymore. And he had that devastatingly awesome appearance in the WBC against the Dominican Republic. So I just think he's out of sorts. And if you have a lousy three-start stretch in August, maybe August, then you're thinking, ah, oh, dog days of August, he needs a second win. If it happens in, in late May, it's kind of an air pocket. Uh, but when it's your first three starts of the season, I mean, you know, he's sticking out like a real sore thumb in the rotation at this point. But I wouldn't be uh, reaching for the ripcord on him yet. No. And, you know, what's the plan to replace him if you do? I mean, it's way too early to even do that. And McCullers, it, it looks like they're talking about him just being ready to start mixing in breaking balls before the month's over. I mean, that's May. We're, that's still two weeks away where it looks like he's going to, you know, be throwing his full assortment of pitches. So, McCullers doesn't sound that close to me. I think they kind of just have to ride this out while they get Seth Martinez hasn't looked good in the bullpen. Blanco's had his struggles. Some of the guys they were, you know, extending a little bit, getting to throw multiple innings. They're really struggling too. So I I just think you just have to grin and bear it here for a while. And Garcia's had two solid seasons as a major league starter. So I don't think you would want to consider an unduly short leash, even if you had the the logical uh, replacement candidate knocking at the door. I'm not going to say knocking at the door yet, but uh, this is where you might brand you in. Is that Forrest Whitley's music? <laughs> uh, two very impressive four-inning starts so far for the Space Cowboys, but uh, eight innings, giving up just uh, a couple hits, three walks, 11 strikeouts. He needs to string together more and get stretched out a little. But come late May, right, if Garcia just happens to be bad uh, another month from now, uh, the Astros arrive at their first stretch of, of playing 13 days in a row, something like that. 
uh, where maybe you'd want to drop in a sixth starter uh, a time or two, or if you were looking to sub one, some, uh, sub in uh, someone. Uh, so that'd be quite the story if Forrest Whitley can thrust himself into the picture. Um, I'm going to guess that uh, he'll be available as an alternative the first time you seriously might think about one uh, sooner than Lance McCullers is ready to go. He's in the picture now, and we someone who we were worried about in the uh, in spring training because he had sore hands. Well, now his hands might be sore from carrying this team. He continues to be an RBI machine. I'm talking about Jordan Alvarez, 20 RBI to this point, 288 batting average, and a 974 OPS. He is everything that you could have hoped he would be out of the gate. He looks every bit as dominant as uh, he is at any point in his career. And again, we were worried about those hands, but man, he is just mashing out there. If he stays on this trajectory and the Astros can kind of turn things around, I know the popular debate is between uh, Judge and Otani about you know AL MVP, but could Jordan Alvarez supplant uh, those guys in this conversation? Well, sure. And the pace game, of course, at the 10% mark is silly, but Jordan Alvarez is on pace to drive in 200 runs this season. Major League record for season, by the way, is 191. Um, yeah, so much for the, well, we're going to sprinkle in some regular off days for Jordan early. Um, no, thank you. And, and thank <laughs> goodness. Uh, Kyle Tucker actually has the higher OPS of the two, which is a byproduct of all the walks that he's drawn as well as, as Tuck swinging it well. Um, uh, Jordan's just, just amazing. Uh, you know, as men- menacing a presence as, as there is, uh, in the game, you know, I got the reminder in the Sunday night game that even the it's tough, tough deal hit major league pitching. And the Astros, uh, Will Smith couldn't get anyone out as an Astro, but Will Smith always gets out every Astro, uh, where he got Jordan to hit the little dribbler with the bases loaded. So, you know, big, oh, from the crowd. Uh, you know, Jordan can't hit 1,000, uh, though he had been hitting 1,000 with the bases loaded. Three for three with a walk with 10 RBI in four bases loaded appearances already this season before the one Sunday night. Uh, but, yeah, look, if you are on Alvarez, stays healthy. Right? He's 26 years old. Uh, we're in the still early stages of a Hall of Fame masher's career. He's an animal in the most favorable sense of the term. Yeah, like the not Muppet. much I can add to that. I I agree with Charlie. I, I was thinking about Kyle Tucker, too. I mean, they're sitting there with the same amount of home runs. And, yeah, Tucker's getting all those walks, not much protection at all for him. Of course, you could argue about the protection right behind Jordan when you don't get to Tucker. I mean, Abreu. But – uh you know, you still have better hitters later in the lineup. And I'd like to point out Pena, too. I know he's he's not killing it or anything like that, but leading the team in doubles, he's got a couple home runs. He's at least hitting over 200, which Bregman is not right now. So hopefully Pena can get things going. That would be a really nice bonus. I know he, you know, had an error the other day. That's going to happen. He still won a gold gloves so or not giving up on Jeremy. And one of our commenters here, they made a really good point talking about Urquidy and Garcia just quickly. Maybe a good idea there by Dusty to be like, yeah, we're not trading Jose Arquiti. That as we're looking back at the rotation this year and how much they're leaning on Arquiti, good thing they decided to hold on to him. Yeah, and the schedule doesn't get any easier for the Astros. Uh, they open a series. If you're listening live, then they open a series tonight against Toronto, uh, and then it's Braves, the Red Hot Rays, uh, Phillies, and Giants, and then Mariners. So. 
this could get ugly if the Astros aren't able to uh, string together some wins. Have they won two games in a row all season yet? Or, or, two, not three yet. Okay. Okay. So, um, yeah. So you, you've got you've got a daunting task. Uh, it's not exactly a murderer's row, but it's but I mean the Rays are absolutely red hot. The Jays are good. Braves are good. Uh, you know, Phillies. You know, they've got their own injury woes they're dealing with as well. But you're going to find out in short order. Uh, you know, how big of a hole you're gonna have to dig yourself out of. Do you, do you guys like looking at this and, and kind of seeing what the schedule projects out at? Do you guys see them coming out? Uh, let's say the Rays series that's that's three series that's uh, Jays, Braves, and Rays. So after that third series, do you guys see them still hanging around 500? Are they above 500? Are they below 500? Yeah, look, uh, they're facing teams that are better than them right now in, in each of these three series. Uh, going in, Toronto at 10 and 6. Um, the Braves, 12 and 4 at the start of the week. And then it took the Blue Jays to finally deal the Rays a couple of losses. They start the week at, at 14 and 2. So the Astros could play good baseball in these series and drop two out of three. They've never fared particularly well in St. Petersburg. All right, this is their first uh, trip to Atlanta. Uh, were they in Atlanta last year? I think they were in Atlanta last year, were they? Uh, yeah, that's where yeah, Jordan had to deal with the smoke, right? Yeah, yeah. So not their first trip there since the, the 21 World Series. Um, so over these nine games, you know, if they go five and four, that's just fine. Given the level of competition, you add that to seven and nine, you're still under 500 at 12 and 13, but you're absolutely not getting buried in the division at 12 and 13. Um, and I thought this 12-game stretch – taking the three with the Rangers and then the three, three, three uh, to come, you know, you go seven and five in that stretch. Okay. Then you're over the 500 mark and you're presumably playing some pretty good baseball to do that against those teams. But dropping two out of three of the Rangers means you now to need to take two out of three uh, or sweep one of them. If you're going to lose two out of three in another, and then you go six and three in these nine games. If you're at the end this 12 game stretch over 500, uh, so as long as it isn't some sort of free fall that you drop eight of these nine games and, whoa, you're suddenly six and a half games out of first place already. And in the American League standings, you're 11 games behind the race already. Uh, you know, we get to uh, uh, not quite the beginning of May, but a few days into May, back-to-back series at Seattle, at the Angels, right? The first time sinking your teeth into division play. You want to be in a good spot where if the Astros are uh, ready to get into their customary role of whipping up on most of the American League West – well, maybe that's maybe you can make your move to the to the top of the division. So we're still early enough in the season that unless you get on a tremendous jag where you win nine in a row or 11 out of 12 or conversely lose eight out of nine or 11 out of 13, um, it's not going to you know tip your fortune much one way or the other. Yeah, I'm just hoping they're still hovering around 500 after this really nasty stretch. I, I thought Brian McTaggart had a good point about last year's club responded from the slow start with a 15-2 and two run that enabled them to get back in first place in the division by mid-May. But, I mean, but look what that required, 15-2. and two. I mean, that's, that's pretty sporty. So if they can just kind of be okay until they get healthy and, and get, you know, Bregman to start playing like Bregman every day. I, I think all that's going to happen. Just, just stay close and you'll be in good shape. You know, we talk about it uh, ad nauseum, but when you're on a championship run to win a championship, a lot of things have to go your way. And that's bounce of the ball. It's health. 
uh, it's just any number of things kind of have to go your way for you to be fortunate enough to be able to close the deal and win a championship right now, things aren't bouncing their way. And I, I think, you know, some stuff you can control, obviously, you know, you, you, you can, you know, stick to your fundamentals. You can play, you can try to put the best lineup on the field. I, we saw a, uh, someone had, I think it was Chilson. Chilson says, oh, you know, when does dust, you know, when does Dusty or how long does Dusty stick with Maldi before he uh, goes with a more offensive minded option? I don't know who that is uh, because you don't really have a better offensive option right now. You, you had hoped that was going to be Yanner Diaz. Yanner Diaz not exactly hitting the cover off the ball right now. I don't know if it's a matter of, you know, you maybe you give him more reps and hope that the bat comes around. Uh, I, I just don't know. I don't see that. I see that as a panic option. I don't see that as something they're going to do right away. Uh, we'll, we'll just see it. Like, like I said, we, you know, we talked about, you know, uh, it's not just doom and gloom. There's, you know, you're, you've got some bright spots. You've got a Hunter Brown. You've got Jordan Alvarez. You've got Kyle Tucker, Brian Abreu. Uh, you know, we talked about the uh, velo being down on everybody. Brian Abreu hit like uh, 100.8 on uh, one of his appearances here. So unless he was the only one with a juiced gun, I'd say everyone else's velo is down. Uh, and, but you've got, you know, Alex Bregman who could anytime pop out of this same thing uh, with Jose Abreu. So if you're going to go on a run, you're going to need some things to line up in your favor. Uh, but the flip side of that is sometimes they don't. And then, you know, you see what happens to, uh, I mean, you saw what happened to, to the Yankees last year on pace, blah, 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 120 wins. And then, you know, they end up winning what 99 and get swept out of the championship series. So it just really depends. Uh, you know, you can't really plan on, you can't plan on everything. You have to have a little bit of luck. Hopefully, uh, as we've mentioned, hopefully, uh, Altuve gets back, Brantley gets back, and they can be their old selves, and everybody else can get those good mojo vibes back as well. Um, guys, if you're watching us live and haven't commented yet, now is your chance. It's the bottom line question of the week. I'll pose a question to Charlie and Josh, but everyone gets to answer. Uh, there is a delay on the feed, so keep that in mind. We will get answers on our end a little bit delayed, so make sure you get your answers in early so that we can read them on the broadcast. Um, guys, we've talked about Kyle Tucker and just, he has looked every bit as good as you could have hoped, uh, coming into this season so far, uh, he hasn't hit that patented Kyle Tucker skid yet, but, uh, right now he's just really looking great. Even not having protection. He's just walking as many walks as you could hope for. Uh, he's, you know, still under contract for this and two more years, thankfully. So we're not having to worry about that yet, but should Kyle Tucker get to free agency? Do you guys think that he's going to command the highest contract in baseball? In all of MLB? Yeah. No. Uh, because, I mean, we're going over $350 million if we're going there. Or if we want to backdate to Mike Trout's $426 million, granted over 13 years. Uh, Kyle Tucker at 28, could he be a $300 million player? As a non-middle infielder, center fielder, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean under on that, but he could still make a killing uh, in Kyle Tucker's potential free agency class end of the 2025 season with the Blue Jays in town. Notably, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. If he doesn't do a mega deal, 
their shortstop, Bo Bichette, who doesn't profile, is grossly inferior to Trey Turner with the, the contract that he got. And on the mound, if starting pitching always commands a premium, Dylan Cease of the White Sox is also a post-2025 possible free agent. So since you set the ultimate high bar, Brandon, I will uh, take the uh, easy and I think pragmatic way out and go under on Kyle Tucker ever getting the richest contract in all of MLB. Yeah, I think Shohei Itani is going to come up before Tucker, right? And I don't think Tucker's going to get what he's going to get. So, yeah, I'm going to go under on that. Yeah, I'm I'm same way. Uh, I think should Otani is going to get all the dollars. He will definitely get it. But I think Tucker will make a killing. I I do wonder though, guys. Uh, this is an addendum to the bottom line question here. Do you, if if things continue on this trajectory, uh, and maybe the Astros don't have a great season, uh, do you think maybe that convinces? Uh, Papa Crane to maybe open the open the billfold and maybe pay man. I'm really dating myself calling it a billfold, but uh, pulls out the checkbook. Bad, Wait, too young. Yeah, <laughs> I guess checkbook's not any better. But uh, does does Jim Crane rethink maybe his thoughts on that contract for that a long extended contract for Kyle Tucker? You know, his business model has been so sensible and they've so been so disciplined where we're just not going beyond this point. Uh, they were never in the game on Garrett Cole. Uh, but Verlander, Correa, Springer, uh, what in the business or scientific community? Brain drain, right? At some point, enough talent drain, no matter how disciplined and shrewd and smart you are and fiscally savvy, you, you still need to have the talent on the field. Um, uh, Kyle Tucker certainly will be getting the richest contract in Astros history, right? Altuve's five-year extension was 151 and a half million, a little over 30 million per year when they tacked onto the two years that, that he had remaining, right? Jordan, it just looks like a song. Um, no tears for 115 million guaranteed, but if Jordan had not signed that, what could he ask for right now? Uh, at least another hundred million dollars. Um, so, you know, markets evolve, Sometimes you say, well, the market's stupid. Yeah, just because uh, my friends are jumping off the Brooklyn Bridge doesn't mean I have to follow. Uh, this particular past offseason, the nutso lengths of contracts, even with design to spread them out for collective balance tax reasons, uh, there are going to be some real buyer's remorse issues, I think, on the back half of those contracts and maybe before that uh, on some of them. Um, does that mean that, you know, Kyle Tucker gets 10 years, 300 million here? Uh, I don't think it's unreasonable at all to use at least certain contracts as templates for your negotiation. You know, you can say, Hey, forget it. We're not signing you at $35 million per year when you're 40, 41 years of age. But you know, when a guy's 29, 30 years of age, and if Tucker hangs up this season and next season at a, and the leader very close to a level, you know, and that reasonable market is $25 million per year plus. Uh, Austin Riley with the Braves, basically same year as Tucker, 10 years, $212 million. To categorically reject eight years, and I'm sure the Astros would say, well, you haven't categorically rejected. It's just been our philosophy to this point. Um, you know, intelligence allows for some change of opinion over time, and, and I think at some point in time, the Astros are going to have to change some. I think it could be what unfolds this year could maybe have something to do with it. The way the Astros have found value 
really smart way so far is they've gone after really great older players, Justin Verlander, Michael Brantley, now Abreu. But if this year, if Brantley doesn't really recover from this shoulder and Abreu continues to hit like this, then yeah, maybe Crane looks around. It's like, eh, this isn't working anymore. Maybe we do need to lock up some of these younger guys. So we'll see. I'm not ruling anything out. All right. Well, that was a good uh, way to pad the time so I could let everyone uh, respond. So let me get back into our response. And, and Jack, keep keep starting them as they keep coming in. Uh, Eddie Ruiz says, nope. Uh, and this, this is on the bottom line question of whether uh, Tucker will command the biggest contract. Uh, Eric Schrein says, don't let Kyle Tucker become a Lamar, Lamar situation. I'm assuming that means, uh, well, I, well, Kyle has an agent, so that that immediately <laughs> rules out that. Kyle's agent is not his mother, so I think that immediately makes that different. Uh, Steven says, yes, sir, he's only getting better. Astroworth Craig says, don't think so. David Wagner says, he won't beat Otani's contract. Um, he could be judges. Uh, Charlie, what do you think about that? Do you think he could out pull or out earn Aaron judge? No, I think the Yankees were forced to pay a premium. The giants were a stalking horse and, you know, it only takes one team willing to go crazy. Uh, but nine years, three sixty. if Kyle Tucker gets that Jim Crane will be right to say too rich for my, my blood. Yeah, and I have a feeling that Kyle Tucker can can command that on the open market. That must mean that his the the preceding two seasons were amazing. So that that only bolds well for the Astros if he's commanding that sort of a contract in free agency. Uh, Jody says no way Tucker gets a contract that exceeds either the total or annual of Otani. Yeah, I mean that, that's oh, Jack's concurs says Otani is going to get be the richest player. Uh, Tucker will get uh, $275 million for 10 years, says Dandy. Uh, Lee Cole, my friend Lee Cole, says I'd say around 250 to 280 for 8 to 10 years. And Lee had a comment about uh, us dating ourselves about the checkbook thing. He says, he says, we graduated in the 90s. Hey, just barely, just barely. And also, sh- can you keep that to yourself? Uh, we have some people barely watching. Barely in the 90s or just barely graduated? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eddie Ruiz says he'll probably end up with the Yankees or Dodgers. Oh, come on. Don't ruin. We're, we're trying to end on a positive note here, buddy. Uh, Tucker will leave in free agency. He was not happy. Hey, nobody is. Uh, nope, but he'll be priced out of the Astros budget. And then Shohei gets uh, half a billion. Perhaps. He might. Uh, perhaps. That's, that's definitely, uh, that is definitely within the realm of possibilities. And after we do that, then we always play this. And that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. That's going to wrap it. It's, I tried to keep it to 30 minutes, guys. Maybe one of these days we'll be that brief, but it's, it's Astros and we're always going to have our opinions. I want to thank everybody who was in the comments, interacting with us today. We had a lot of activity, a lot of comments today. I really do appreciate everyone who joined us uh, live on the YouTube broadcast. I want to thank my co-host, Charlie Palolo and Josh Jordan for talking some baseball with me. Help me through. It's all kind of therapeutic. Hopefully it was therapeutic for everybody uh, and, uh, and, and that was in the chat and who's listening and who's listening on the audio section as well. So we're going to hopefully have some better results to talk about when we are live next Monday, 3 PM, right here on YouTube, Stone Cold Strohs episode 20. Talk to you soon. Ghost Rose.